everybody. I'm Kristen Lago. And I'm Jody Storm Sullivan. And welcome to the second episode of the He Said, She Said Pos- podcast. We took a bit of a break last week. Um, I had to go work the USC women's volleyball game. But I had to take a nap. All right, just as important. <laughs> um, don't really know, but we're back. We're here and we're ready for episode two. And remember, you can watch us on YouTube or if watching isn't your thing, you can also listen to us on SoundCloud. We're going to try to do this every Wednesday night, so maybe we'll see. Yeah, so basically, you want to get going on our fast pitches? Just start one right here yeah, really I'm ready. quick? I'm ready to go. Okay. All right. So, like I told you, I think I'm obsessed with Tim Tebow. I don't know. Not confirmed. Self-confirmed by me. But I can't stay away from him in terms of the news. I don't know if you saw this trending kind of on Twitter and social media, but we already talked about him kind of playing two sports. Obviously, that's not really heard of nowadays playing going from football to commentating to going to baseball but also he's apparently like a healer <laughs> <laughs> so he was at his game it was the end of the game he started talking to the media and then this fan comes up to him to sign to get his autograph and he starts having a seizure tim tebow leans over the railing he touches the fan apparently says a prayer and the fan resuscitates what like I don't know if Tim Tebow, like, has a touch from the heavens or something, but that's weird. Come on. I mean, I think you looked into it a little deeper than I would have. <laughs> I was like, okay, like, this guy to seizure, like, the firemen, ambulance people came, and, like, he came back. I don't think he ever, like, lost his pulse or ever, like, died. I know, but, I but mean, come on. If that helps you think that Tim Tebow is a healer, then, you know, I'll let you... I'll let you have that one. I don't know. He's talked about all the time for like being a very like, you know prayerful guy, you know healing. Maybe I don't know. Tim Tebow might have a third career, fourth uh, career a coming fourth out of career? him. I mean, I think he should figure out his third career first. Like game, <laughs> he went zero for three. Maybe he can like say a little prayer for himself and revive that bat of his. Maybe he's getting some good publicity over this. So That's... I mean, who's winning here? <laughs> Tebow. Tebow is always coming out on top. Uh, I guess. But you know, that was my. That? Favorite story of the week. I'm going to keep following him now. I was never a Tebow <laughs> fan when he was in college. He was in the NFL when he was a sports commentator. No, now I am now. a Tebow fan. I'm ready. Ex-football player, ex-commentator Tim Tebow is Kristen Lago's new favorite. Yes. You heard it here first. <laughs> Maybe we should just do a weekly Tim Tebow segment. You could just follow him. It's already two in a row. I mean, who knows what's coming three? week three. <laughs> All right, so my fast pitch. Um, I'm a bit of a nerd. I will openly admit that I'm a nerd. Um, so big fan, NFL player commercials. You got J.J. Watt, and you got John Urschel. J.J. Watt, player for the Texans. Urschel, player for the Ravens. It's an ad for Bose headphones. They're in like a lobby, cafeteria, cafe kind of thing. And J.J.'s listening to some music, and then John Urschel comes by and is like, hey, man, those are some cool sound-canceling headphones, <laughs> but you want to hear how they work. This whiteboard appears out of nowhere, and John Herschel just goes and starts breaking it down and going through all the science and the mathematics of how everything is like sound canceling and all of that. You have JJ Watt sitting over there jamming out in his sound canceling headphones. So he doesn't have to hear Herschel sit there and explain everything that's going on with the headphones. And I just think that's really cool because, fun fact, Herschel's a PhD candidate at MIT. He finished up his first semester this past spring there. He took four four PhD-level classes and got straight A's. And here I am struggling with my four (laughs) undergraduate classes. Yeah. I mean, hey, you know, PhD, mathematics, 
player for the Ravens, you know, all in a day's, day's work. Day's work, right? I, the funny part about this commercial is that Jody actually showed this to me before the show, and she thought it was, like, a lot m- more funny than I did. <laughs> it's hysterical. I like, I chuckled. It's quite funny. Take a look. You decide. I don't know. Jody <laughs> thought it was hilarious. So I thought it was funny. I, I love J.J. Watt. So yeah. I'm glad to see him doing some He's big fun. things. I mean, <laughs> math, the field, I football, <laughs> music, headphones. I had a good time. It's a good commercial. You know, yeah, on that <laughs> note, you decide. But so you've heard our pitches. So it's time to step off that a little bit. We're going to get to some top stories of the week that we found to kind of break it down. We're going to start in the baseball world. So, again, not my topic that I know too much about. So I'm going to be asking Jody some questions. We'll <laughs> see how well she does with that. But two big games that we had earlier this week um, in the playoff series. So the Cubs is what everyone's talking about right now. I know it's a historic season for them. I don't even know the last time they were in a World Series. It's you been even... over 100 years ago. Okay, so, so yeah, none of us have been alive for that one. <laughs> so it's a huge win for them. It was a – they came from behind, no, in the last inning. Yeah. So why don't you tell they me They came from behind, ended up winning 6-5. to five. Um, They took the series, and they're going to be playing the winner of the Dodgers and the Giants, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But what I think is so interesting is last night's Giants-Cubs game was the most watched game, event, sporting thing on Fox Sports like in their history. Wow. I'm pretty sure that the previous record holder of that was the Women's World Cup back two-ish years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I just – that's so interesting. And I think that the Cubs storyline that they have going right now, it's been over 100 years, like we've said, since they won um, the World Series – and it's just it's going to bring casual baseball fans to watching these mm-hmm. games. It's going to bring non-Cubs fans, non-opponent fans. They're just they're going to want want to watch the game to see if they can witness history. And I think that oh, that yeah. transcends kind of the current divisional series, the championship championship series, or even if they end up making that World Series, being able to watch that World Series is going to transcend just like, "Oh, I'm a Cubs fan" or "Oh, I'm a fan of the National League team that's over there. You know, it's so interesting. I was looking just this morning at the prices for the World Series game. They already have tickets selling, and it's, like, conditional to, like, if the Cubs are in Game 5, $70,000 someone was willing to pay for tickets. So, I mean, speaks to, like, obviously historic time. Wow. But that is crazy, right? I, I would That's absurd. And that was, you said, Game 5 if they would have Game lost. 5 if it happened. Wow. No, no, Game 5 for the World Series. Oh. If it happens, it's conditional. If the Cubs are there they charge them that amount and it's not right it's like (laughs) how are you even going i don't know but another thing that's interesting from this game was doesn't everybody always talk about the giants in even years like it's not their thing and then they ended up losing so i thought that was interesting too that it's kind of both the little bits of history kind of going at each other yeah i think that's interesting it's what been three world series in the last six seven, eight years, which is pretty crazy. Um, I think it's kind of a running joke that they always win in these even years. All my friends that are Giants fan were like, oh, be leaving. I was like, oh, that's cute. But they lost, so that's a little awkward now. But what is funny and interesting, and I should have noticed this because I'm a big Taylor Swift fan, but uh, someone wrote an article, I think it's from The Ringer, kind of drawing the comparison to how the last three albums that Taylor Swift has released has fallen on the same month or same year that the Giants have won the World Series. Did she release an album this year? Not no. yet. Oh. <laughs> Maybe she's taking a year off. Who should knows? Should we start a conspiracy theory? <laughs> Taylor Swift, you are the reason that the Giants <laughs> lost. Sorry. Moving on to the Dodgers, which yes. I know a little bit more about because I'm okay. from L.A. 
born a Dodgers fan, <laughs> not really raised a Dodgers fan, but I like to say I'm a Dodgers fan. Okay, that works. So they also won in kind of comeback fashion, no? They did. Chase Utley knocking in that single to score the run, and just that was pretty exciting stuff. Um, they're heading back to Washington to play the Nationals. Honestly, I don't know. Obviously, being a Dodgers fan, mm-hmm. I want the Dodgers to win. I just I don't know if they're going to be able to beat the the Nationals at home. I know that they did it in game one of the series. Max Scherzer's coming back, who did pitch the game one loss for the Nationals. But I just think that the Nationals are kind of grooving. They're finding a rhythm and a consistent offensive rhythm in their lineup, uh, which is something that the Dodgers have kind of struggled in in this offseason and really in offseasons of past uh, or pl- playoffs of past. But, you know, we'll see. It's been a crazy year. It's going to be a crazy year. Yeah. It's October baseball, my favorite time You never know what's going to happen, quite honestly, yeah. this time. But I'm, I think I'm hoping, you know, Cubs-Dodgers would be would the storyline because yeah. the Dodgers have a lot of storylines surrounding them with Ben Scully and all of that, kind of this is their time, and we haven't seen that in a while coming from them. And then obviously the Cubs we've already talked about. But I don't know. We'll see. You're thinking it's going to be Nationals and Cubs? Yeah, I think it's going to be Nationals and Cubs. Don't really want it to be, but I think – that's how it's going to end up. And I'll play devil's advocate and say the opposite. So I'm going to go works. for the Dodgers. There we we'll go. We'll see what's going on next week. Yes, we will. <laughs> <laughs> so stepping away from baseball, we're going to move into football. So there's a little bit of quarterback news coming from quite a few teams yeah. in the coming week. Um, so let's talk about Colin Kaepernick. We haven't really heard about him playing on the field in quite a long time, but that's what's coming out now. Less moving away from uh, kind of what the news that was surrounding him with all of the national anthem protests and his stance on a lot of social kind of activism things going on in the world today but actually now the debate is going on of like is he going to kind of revive the 49ers team that has been in a slump quite honestly um throughout the season so far and they announced him as their starting quarterback I actually think he just finalized his contract up Mm -hmm. today so what do you think on this kind of what's your take I don't know I think that the 49ers need something to kind of reboost their team and reboost their offense um and Kaepernick, I know he was dealing with some injuries, wasn't really practicing with the team in the preseason fully, and that's why uh, Blaine Gabbert ended up getting that starting role kind of just by default, and he knew the plays better and the playbook and calls and all of that. So honestly, I think Kaepernick adding him in is going to be good. I don't know how well he's going to perform. He hasn't seen live action in about a year, I think, now. We've seen him kind of go up and down. I mean, he remember when they were – you know, at the top of their yeah. game, and he was the starting quarterback, and he was touted as, you know, the next big quarterback, and then we just saw him decline. No one really knows, you know, what actually really went on kind yeah. of in that situation. So I don't know. I think it could go either way. Yeah, I think it's hard to take a stance on that. Yeah. Part of that, I think, kind of falls from the loss of Harbaugh and just kind of the oh. weird internal implosion that the 49ers saw a couple years back. Um, and they're, they're trying to rebuild, trying to get that under Chip Kelly. But – Honestly, I don't know. I think adding Kaepernick is going to give a boost to their offense. Definitely I don't know. spice it up a bit. Yeah, Definitely. I don't know if it's going to be enough to win or make a dent in really anything, yeah. but it's going to be better with what they have now. Yeah, everything is <laughs> going to be better than what they have now. But another team that's dealing with kind of a who-should-start quarterback, as per always with this team, is the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. I just – okay, they're – you know, is Tony Romo going to come back? Instead of Prescott, I think it would be the dumbest thing in the world to start Tony Romo. I don't know what Jerry Jones' obsession with Tony Romo is because <laughs> every season he gets hurt. He's not a star quarterback anymore. I mean, we've seen the Cowboys actually start to have a good season this year, and you're like, why change what's working? Like, I want to shake him. Why? Why stir <laughs> the pot? Why do you th- 
I don't. I think because the fran- I mean, Tony Romo's the franchise quarterback. I mean, he he he's played well. He's gotten injured, hasn't really gotten good, consistent playing time. Honestly, I think you keep Prescott in there. I think he's their hot hand. He's been winning games. Both him and Ezekiel Elliott as rookies are just dominating. Why would you want to break up that matchup, that kind of otter, otter, that (laughs) offensive dynamic and just teamwork that the two of them bring to that offense? Yeah, I get the franchise, you know, quarterback. You've seen it with Brady. Like, if ever they were to, like, not bring Brady back, like, that was a whole thing in its own. But – He's actually playing well, you yeah. know, like he <laughs> adds something to the offense. I think Tony Romo, and forgive me for saying this, but I think he's a little past his prime. I think it's time for him to move on. He will always be the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, everybody yeah. who thinks of the Dallas Cowboys will always think of Tony Romo. Just like, I mean, when you associate Peyton Manning, I'm always going to think of the Colts, you know, because that was his team yeah. for so long. And like Kobe and the Lakers. It's just like, you know. So just sort connected. of identity. They're one in each other almost. But I don't think you need to kind of have him playing in order to keep that identity alive. I don't know. I think Jerry Jones needs to hop off the <laughs> Romo horse and hop on to the new team that they have now because yeah. they're playing well. I think they have a real shot in their division if they keep playing the way they are. Definitely. So why change what's working? I don't know. It's it's weird. I mean, I get Tony Romo. He's had, what, three shoulder injuries now collarbone injuries like oh he was my fantasy quarterback last year (laughs) I remember when he got injured and I was really upset so I just think I think he's past his prime I think it's time I think it's also a him thing he needs to be like this is enough you know but I don't know I think the fans also probably play a little bit of a role I wonder what they say because I'm not a Cowboys fan directly so I'm not you know attached to him but I wonder if that plays any role because Jones is a big business guy and a big team guy, so I don't know. Yeah, I know that a lot of the fans love Romo. I don't know if they necessarily are agreeing with Jerry Jones. Yeah. I personally don't know a ton of Cowboys fans, so I can't really <laughs> speak on that. Here but... in L.A., yeah, not too many. <laughs> yeah. But I guess we'll have to wait and see on that one as well. I think I'm more for Kaepernick starting than I am for Romo. So Definitely. But staying in football and moving on to a subject we both know a lot about, we're going to yeah. talk about USC football. They are coming. Whoa. That was weird. <laughs> so we just lost our lights. We did. I don't know if they can see us. I think it's a motion censored room. You would hope. I don't know. <laughs> Should we try it? There, there we go. Lights Perfect. are back on. All right. So if you're just listening to us on audio, you're <laughs> going to think that we're a little crazy. If you're watching us on video, we just lost our lights. We lost our lights. There we but go. But they're back. Lights so are we're shining good. on USC. Hopefully this weekend <laughs> they're going up to Arizona to take on the Wildcats. Um, they're coming off a two-game winning streak. Two games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Give it up for them. Stringing <laughs> those wins together. You know, they're coming back. I see a little bit of a comeback out of them. I think we have seen just watching a different team, sort of from what we saw in the first four games of the season, or three games of the season yeah. specifically. So what do you think? after the, Let's break down the ASU game a little bit. Okay. Um, so what do you think kind of – what have we improved on so far? What has USC been doing better? What do they need to improve on for this coming game? I would say offensive efficiency is something that we found or that the Excuse team has me, off found. Colorado. I said off ASU. But you're just all over the place. I'm all over the place, but we just played Colorado. <laughs> we did not. Yeah. We are talking. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So I think offensive efficiency and kind of cohesion and the, the team really seems to be moving, at least on the offensive side of the ball, as a unit and together. And mm-hmm. I think that that comes with the addition of Sam Darnold. Oh, um, yeah. As quarterback, I think, yes, he's a freshman, and he played a little bit like a freshman against Colorado. He had the fumble, the weird scramble, but then that weird scramble ended up turning to a touchdown, which I remember. Play the game. Wow. (laughs) Russell Wilson-esque here? Yeah. On that 
Yeah, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that offensive kind of cohesion efficiency is something that they've been able to grow and keep improving on each game. And I think that it's something that's going to show up and it's something that's going to really take advantage of Arizona's kind of weak passing defense. So, yeah. And then I think also coming out of that Colorado game is Justin Davis and his high ankle sprain. Ugh. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Because he, I saw him after the game in a boot. So I yeah. don't know. Was he practicing today at all or still out? Nope. He wasn't practicing, but who was practicing was Zach Banner was playing in with the ones. So we'll see. Thing about Zach Banner, I honestly don't think our line is suffering without him, which I think is something that is honestly a big news story mm-hmm. because he was touted coming into this season as an All-American, you know, a top draft pick for his – he's huge. I mean, he has the physicality to play to the best of his position, but I don't think we're seeing that from him. And I honestly think that um, – the line is better off without him. I think yeah. they need to keep that starting lineup that they had. But especially just because our run game was pretty good against Colorado. Um, I think they did have a little bit of struggles with the turnovers, which we saw in that mm-hmm. game. But hopefully this week the in practice they're able to adjust that for Arizona. I think Arizona is sometimes a trap game for USC, as we've Definitely. seen in the last couple of years. I think USC almost always loses to at least one Arizona school, and it alternates between ASU it's and bizarre. Arizona, which is bizarre. So I don't know if they can break that streak this weekend. They're going to be away, which is an interesting one. They've been at home for the last two games. So I think it's going to be a real test of the team, kind of playing on the road again, getting their feet back under them, and seeing if Sam Darnold can really step up as a leader of this team and not just, you know, this freshman phenom that's coming in yeah. kind of frantically and fanatically. Because I think you see him when you play, and you're, you can see everything that's running yeah. through his mind, a million things at once. But I think he's doing a good job. I think our line is doing a lot better. Our defense played pretty well as well. Yeah, definitely speaking on Darnold, he's a good pocket awareness. Oh, he, yeah. He sees the open players downfield. He has a good pocket presence, and he he's not afraid to run, which I think is something incredibly valuable, especially with kind of this year's team and this year's offensive scheme. But I like that you brought up that it's a trap game. Oh, yeah. Because it's a little weird. Like you said, we always – or USC always seems to lose to one of the Arizona schools. So this year it's away in Tucson, mm-hmm. 12.30 kickoff. It's going to be 91 degrees oh, at the gosh. start of kickoff, which is just beyond warm and hot, honestly, at this point. And that stadium is a loud one. Mm-hmm. I've been there for a game. I hear them when they're practicing. <laughs> they have the fan noise on, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting. So I don't know. Not only that, it's the 100th anniversary of the Arizona or, uh, yeah, the Arizona-USC matchup really? over there in Tucson. So it has the makings of a trap game. Well, and I think it has a lot – it speaks a lot to the Pac-12 South because whoever – I mean, if USC wins this game, they make a real case for themselves. I mean, they're the only ones that kind of keep, can keep them in it at this point. Yeah. They have to rely on other teams losing, obviously. But the Pac-12 South, I think, is a toss-up right now. It I is. think the Pac-12 North has a lot, has done a <laughs> lot more. You kind of see who's yeah. coming out on top. Washington has continued to shock me with how well that they are doing. Yeah. I mean, did you see the game against Oregon? Yeah, it was like 70-something. That was insane. absurd. Insane. And they hadn't uh, beaten Oregon, and I think it was 12, ga- 12 years. It was a long time. And then Washington State as well. So yeah. I think the North is a lot more established as to who's going to take the North. The South is... Like I said, a toss-up. You had Colorado at number one, then they lost to USC at home last weekend. So I don't know who's going to take the Pac-12 South, but I think it's going to be interesting to see. And this game really has a lot of weight in that. So Yeah, it's a lot of uh, competition down here in the South. But speaking of the North, both Washingtons are undefeated. You have Stanford sitting at 2-2, two and two, and everyone else is below 500 up there, which is just crazy. And then Insane. you hear in the South, 
everyone has a loss. Arizona is sitting with three losses, so I think they're they're out of title contention, contention at this point. But if they beat USC, <sighs> they knock because <laughs> another right title out. contender. Yeah, it's one of those things where I think right now USC, if they want to make it to that Pac-12 championship game and win that South Division, they're going to need to win out the rest of their Pac-12 games, which is going to be difficult. Oh. Especially they're going up to Washington. Like that's, that's going to be crazy. crazy. That's going to be their hardest game. I think they have left. UCLA is always a tough game, but they're not doing too well this season. I know everybody has been talking about how Rosen just has no support on that team, but I think that's always a tough game. Notre Dame also not doing too well this season. So the rivalry games, I think, are less of an issue this year just with the way that both of them are playing. I think it's really going to come down to Washington and then also uh, Cal. Thursday yeah. game, not. I mean, they do have a bye week coming off of uh, this next game at Arizona, so they'll have some time to kind of recuperate. But I think this game carries a lot of weight. It's always a trap game. It's usually a trap game for USC. So I don't know. Do you have any predictions? What are you thinking? I think USC is going to win. And I actually think that they're going to come out and kind of play well and take advantage. I think uh, T. Martin and his his kind of team of playmakers are going to come up with an offensive scheme that's going to allow Darnold to really just pick apart the Arizona defense and really take advantage of their inability to protect um, on passing plays. I know when Josh Rosen um, and UCLA played against Arizona, he picked up 350 passing yards. Mm-hmm. So I think that Darnold is going to be able to sit there, kind of sit in his reign, sit in the pocket, and just mm-hmm. distribute to all of now his Now that receivers. he has some time from the line, there he goes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I agree. I think USC is going to come out on top this game. I'm a little bit more confident in saying that, which is weird because yeah. I haven't been confident in saying that I think they're going to win for a while. But I think – USC is turning itself around. I think the coaching staff is getting a grapple on the team and really seeing who are going to be the playmakers of this team. And I think Adoree Jackson is going to have another game. I mean, we saw him last week. He's phenomenal to watch. He's just fun to watch. So I think he's going to have another great game, and I think Sam will as well. I honestly wouldn't be shocked if Adoree sits there and scores a touchdown on either a punt return or a kickoff. Oh, yeah. A touchdown on defense, and then, who knows, an offensive touchdown just because he's playing so well. It's an, it's absolutely insanity insane and I think we're going to see a lot of special teams plays as Mm -hmm. well because I think Baxter hasn't had a chance to really you know he has a lot of tricks up his sleeve so I think we're going to see some of that come out against Arizona I'm hoping Jackson when he when he gets going he's he's dynamic he's exciting to watch definitely the spark plug of USC's team at the moment oh yeah and and he knows it as well as anyone (laughs) I remember the press conference where he said it's like a party every time he comes out which I agree with and I think a lot of the fans and the teammates too and I think as a captain, that's something that he can really relate to his teammates and kind of just feel like, hey, guys, like, look, I'm playing well, succeeding. Like, let's have fun and do and play well together. I agree. And we saw that coming out of a lot of the players as well. So that's our top stories yeah. of the week. Now we're going to kind of go a away. A bit of a stretch. A little stretch. I'm getting a little tired. Me too. Maybe switch the subject yeah, a little bit. A little bit of a stretch. We're I don't know. We're still going to talk about sports. Still sports. Probably a little bit more serious. Yeah, definitely, definitely things. serious in nature. So we're going to talk a little bit on locker room talk. So this topic actually didn't come out from any real sporting event or anything like that. Not at all. Uh, From the presidential debate, uh, I'm sure, hopefully you were watching. It's an important one. But uh, Donald Trump was approached by the moderators about uh, a video that came out where he was uh, just, um, I don't even know how to describe what he was saying. It was very offensive to women. Definitely. Talking about sexual assault. It's very crude. Crude, yes. I won't repeat what he said, and you can Google it if you want to hear it. Um, He said in a car with Billy Bush. uh, They didn't know they were being recorded. It was a private conversation, but still the nature of that conversation was very explicit, very offensive to a lot of women. 
um, and dealing with a lot of issues that are actually really prominent right now that a lot yeah. of people are talking about. So horrible publicity for him. It was brought up in the debate, and he categorized what he was saying as locker room talk. And as soon as he said that, it became it kind of took off on social media, it became a trending topic, and a lot of athletes started to come out and say, you know, against this, say yeah. this is not locker room talk. What I think is interesting is that it actually sparks a lot of, you know, a converse, a wider conversation about, you know, athletes in general do get a lot of heat for, I mean, all the domestic violence that we've seen in athletes. I mean, kind of their nature of their lives. So I think it brought to light a little bit about kind of what they talk about in locker rooms. And one of the most vocal sort of, I guess, antagonists to this, mm -hmm. he was really going against this was LeBron James. Yeah. So he came out in a press conference and what did he, he kind of came out and said, no, this is like not locker room talk. So do, do you yeah. watch that press conference? I watched a little bit about it. I probably saw some of the highlights cut up on Twitter and basically like, this is not locker room talk. This is trash talk. And yeah. I, I honestly think regardless of where you fall on the political spectrum, regardless of who you're going to be voting for in November, like that talk's just disrespectful. Oh, I completely I just, agree. To have someone sit there and say things about that and then be like oh it's locker room talk like ah like we all talk like like no i don't i don't think so like it I crossed just, a line it definitely crossed a line and especially because i know a lot of like college athletes here and i just there comes i mean there's one thing to be joking around but this is not a joke you no. know like it's not saying like oh that girl is really pretty you know like no this is i'm gonna grab this girl because i can because i'm famous yeah, it's just there's a lot of weird ego issues there, a lot of just, yeah, it's really strange, a little misogynistic going on there, and it's just, it's uncomfortable. Well, it also throws a lot of people under the bus just because athletes are such prominent role models, mm -hmm. I think, for a lot of people in this world. I mean, even if you're not a sports fan, you most likely know who Tom Brady is, you most likely know who LeBron James is, and to have, you know, that kind of name skewed if you're a little... You know, a little boy or a little girl watching this, oh, that's locker room talk. Like, that's just the way people talk, uh, you know, when they're with their boys, you know? Yeah, which is not. No. I mean, it makes it sound like it makes it okay. It's making excuses, and it's not. It's disrespectful. It's degrading. And oh, it completely. honestly shouldn't be said. Like, yeah, it, it just it shouldn't have been said. And it, actually, no. It obviously it shouldn't have been said, but it shouldn't have been classified as locker room talk. And I I'm agree. really glad that a bunch of athletes did take to Twitter and defended themselves and defended, I guess, more or less just athletes as a whole. And was like, this is not what we talk about in the locker room. Like, this is degrading to women. It's oh, trash yeah. talk. Like, that was just the theme going on between from the I NBA. Think, I think a lot of the NBA, NBA players really, players spoke, up really about it. spoke up about it. And I think that was kind of expected. I think they're, they oftentimes they have the biggest social media voice. I think it's noted mm -hmm. that NBA players have the biggest followings on social media. So I took a lot of pride in someone like LeBron James, who's one of the world's most famous athletes. I think one of the most well-known and he eloquently put it in that press mm -hmm. conference. What I thought was really interesting was when Tom Brady was approached with the same question. I don't know if you saw this. They asked him cause he came out as a verbal Trump supporter mm -hmm early on in the primaries when Trump was just declaring uh, for candidacy. And they asked him, you know, what do you think about this? And he said, uh, thank you for the questions. I have to go. Completely avoided it. So I think, I don't know, I think he might have lost an opportunity to really take a stance on that and lost a little bit of his credibility because, I mean, you're kind of throwing yourself under the bus, yeah, I would at say. That point. Because locker room talk explicitly calls out athletes. It's not just calling out, you know, men of the world. Yeah. It's saying that, you know, this is what they're talking about yeah. behind your back. All these people that you 
claim to, you know, idolize and respect. So I thought that was an interesting kind of take on it. I think it'll be interesting to see how that goes on because a lot of athletes are getting in, so involved in this mm-hmm. election. So. Yeah, it's everyone's kind of speaking. I feel like, I don't know, I'm only 20, so I haven't seen a lot of presidential elections, but I feel like yeah. this is something that every celebrity, every athlete, every kind of prominent figure, and even just everyday people are taking to social media to really talk about this, to make their opinions known, which honestly, I don't really remember this from the 2008, 2012 elections. I think more when Obama was first running. I think that was just such a historical election. A lot of uh, prominent people did, but I think what they've been saying is that this is the most talked about election of all time. And I think I do think athletes have a have a real kind of sense of responsibility, maybe not to impart their views on other people, but definitely to get people out to vote. And I think they've done a good job so far of speaking out on the issues without coming. Some have come across quite, quite clearly who they, <laughs> who yeah. they support. But I think a lot of them have done just, you know, it's your duty to vote. So that's been definitely. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Which is a interesting stand. I'm definitely registered to vote. So no, it'll be my first yeah, election. So good. we'll see how I'm that excited. goes. Yeah. But yeah, so that pretty much wraps up our uh, second episode of the He Said, She Said podcast. So you can listen to us on SoundCloud. Go ahead, watch us on YouTube. If you want. <laughs> if you want. If you want to see us lose our lights halfway through the show. And then I think that bring was the back. highlight, of, highlight <laughs> of the show. Oh, good one. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, thanks for listening. I'm Jody Storm Sullivan. I am Kristen Lago. And from the USC Annenberg Media Center, this has been He Said. She Said. There you go. Good night. <laughs>